Good morning. We have been out of routine, but that's okay, right? You guys doing good? I'll make sure I'm in the right spot. You guys took a little break. We were here every week. Where were you guys at? <laughs> Leslie was asking me, she's like, should we do something when they get back, you know? And I was like, we could play dodgeball for the adults, like clear out the chairs. I think you guys could get some energy out, right? No? That's why we didn't do it. <laughs> um, no, we're glad to have everybody back and um, can't wait to see more as more come back too, but uh, we are praying for people to continue to recover and I think it was good to kind of get a little reset and allow people to get to their best that they need to. Amen? So glad you guys are here. Um, I had a series all lined up for the last two weeks, including this week. Um, but I pushed that back, and so I, I have a little one-parter this morning. Hopefully you guys enjoy that, and like I said, I got some visual aids. It was supposed to all timing work when you guys greeted each other, but it didn't work out that way, and that's okay, right? Um, so how many of you enjoy going to uh, restaurants? Anybody like going to restaurants in here? I just kind of want to see who likes restaurants. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, we like going to restaurants. We don't go to restaurants as much with kids. You know, that kind of like doesn't make it as fun. I'm trying to warn wherever Ryan is to help me with stuff. I'm trying to like, when you have kids, restaurants and vacations, they're just not the same, right? Like they're just, he asked me every time we go somewhere, he's like, how was that? I was like, it was okay. Um, but it wasn't as good as it could be. Um, but when I went there, I got to grab this. This was my last little prop. Sorry, y'all. Hopefully I don't make anything ding. Um, but when I went to the restaurant, right, uh, I, uh, we went to uh, Strawberry Mansion. Anybody ever heard that? It's over in Melbourne. Uh, it's actually called the mansion now. I don't know why they got rid of the strawberry part. Maybe they painted the color of the building. I'm not sure. But they decided to go with the mansion. And so we went there recently just to get out, take the kids out. And our waiter, when he walked up to us, um, he kind of had his like chef special that he went through. You guys ever have that where they go through the chef special and I let them usually do their spiel and then I order whatever I want. And that's kind of how that went. And so, uh, but I, I got water that evening and I, I can't remember what I had. I think it had like spice to it or something. And so I really needed the water to stay really full, right? Like how many of you guys are like that when you go to a restaurant? Like you like at least to make sure that the drinks are full, um, I don't base it according to tip or anything like that, but I'm like, I just got to have some kind of water. And so anyways, I kept noticing, we saw him and he did his spiel at the beginning, but I kept noticing he was never coming back to come talk to us. And I was like, I need water. I never even saw the guy the rest of the night, okay? But I need water. So I started slowing down on the water. Do you guys do that when you notice he's not coming? You're like, I at least got to make sure I slow down so I don't drink this too fast. But the whole time, all I could do was focus on the fact that my cup was like half empty, okay? That's all I could do. I wasn't really enjoying my food like I should have been, wasn't enjoying the atmosphere of everything. I wasn't really enjoying my family. I was just super focused on where is the waiter and how can I get my water filled? <laughs> like, do I go up and fill it up myself? Or I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, so I was just stressed out. But uh, how many of you guys have moments like that where like a situation happens or like let's just say like you look at the news, right? Anybody look at the news in here and you think, man, everything seems half empty, okay? Like America, what's going on? Like your brain can't shut off and all you can do is think we are living in a half empty world right now. And 
So your focus it can be so much on the situation at hand, whatever you're going through. That's all you can do is focus on a glass half empty. Um, and here's a, here's a question I have. Like, I was trying to think about God, and that's a good thing to think about is God. But I was trying to think about him and how uh, does God have, like, at night, you know, say, like, 5 o'clock, does he turn on his, like, unbiased news channel and, like, flip through and try to figure out, like, what's going on in the world? And then he sees something, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Like, oh, my, I need to do something these people are suffering down there. Like, I need to do, do you think he freaks out about things? Like, do I, do, do I think that he freaks out about things? I, 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 and what's annoying, okay, is slightly annoying, is I don't think God freaks out like we do, right? Like, I don't think he turns on the news and he sees those things and he just loses his mind. Or a situation happens and he's like, I didn't see that coming, right? I don't think God does that. In fact, I think a lot of the time God sees something bad and he thinks, I'm going to do something amazing in this situation. So many times over and over, right? Like miracles, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but miracles usually start with mayhem, right? Miracles usually start with mayhem. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, right now I'm dealing with mayhem in my life, right? Like there's mayhem going all around me. I don't know what to do. I'm stressed out. Uh, you know, I just, I don't know what to do about those things, um, but in the word of God, we see over and over where miracles happened out of a glass half empty scenario. Um, and I want to read to you a miracle story where Jesus, um, you guys have heard the story about feeding the 5,000, right, where he fed the 5,000. And a lot of people kind of put that in the same, like, genre of other miracles, right? You, like, you think, well, that's, a, that's just one of the miracles, but I will say, I don't know if you know this, but that miracle specifically is in every single one of the Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the only other miracle that was like that was the resurrection of Jesus. So it tells me um, that possibly this miracle might be an important one. It tells me that maybe there might be something that we can glean and look from this scenario and be able to pull out from. And like, what is God telling us out of some of this situation, right? Um, and I don't know if you guys have read the, the account of Luke, but uh, his account, um, you know, that situation like is where he sent out the disciples. Do you guys remember the story? He sent out the disciples and they healed the sick and um, they casted out demons. And so he, uh, all the disciples had come back, right? And they came back to tell Jesus their stories. And he's kind of sitting back and he's listening to their stories but so many miracles were happening around them and with Jesus that Herod actually um, was wanting to meet up with Jesus. Like, he's like, I just killed John the Baptist, and now there's this Jesus guy that everybody keeps talking about. So Herod was actually on the hunt for Jesus. Jesus is getting wind of this, um, whether through the Spirit or people are telling him, but he knows that Herod's kind of looking for him. And all of these people won't leave Jesus alone. Okay? And he's trying to listen to the disciples in the scenario that's happening. And so here he is trying to have some introvert time. And he's sneaking away. And they're going to the trees or the woods or wherever they're going, some special spot. And he wants to hear these stories. But these 5,000 people keep following wherever they're going. Because they're just like, the miracles are happening. we got to go where the place is. But in Luke's account, it says that the day uh, grew weary. And what that means is that was a really long, stinking day. Okay? <laughs> Like, that's code for, that's what that means. And so that means it's like, and I don't know if you guys are like this, like you, you got lunchtime, it's coming up, everybody's kind of already thinking about it, like we got an hour till lunch, 
uh, and 12 o'clock hits, I don't know if you have those friends, um, but when 12 o'clock hits, it's lunchtime. Like, it's not 12.30 lunchtime. Like, it's 12 o'clock lunchtime. And so the day's growing weary. It's going 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. And uh, that means by this time, these people are hangry. Does everybody know what hangry means? It's like you're hungry and angry. Yeah, I see people pointing at their spouses. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like you got to get somebody fed, okay? I can't tell you which one in the relationship is this way with me and my wife, but um, somebody gets hangry out of us too. Um, But I want to focus on John, okay? I want to focus on John's account and what he had to say about the scenario today. So if we go to John 6, it's verse 1. It says, after this... Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Now, I'm going to run through this real quick, and then we'll go back through it because I can't stand when people read, and then they just, let me talk about that for a second, okay? So we'll go back through it, just in case you guys are wondering why I'm just reading this. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, and Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down. And Jesus said, so they all sat on the grassy slopes, and the men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. And afterwards, uh, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Now I first want to focus on uh, verse 5. So I don't know if you'll be able to trail with me um, in the back, the ones that are running the words, but I'm going to try and stay with, I'll try and let you know where I'm at when I'm talking. Um, But verse 5 It said, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And it said, turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread uh, for these people, for all these people, to feed all these people, right? And I love that Jesus said the word we. Did you all notice that? Like he said, we, how can we buy bread for all these people? Because how many times, like when a situation happens, something bad happens, whatever it could be, and you think, I've got to do something about this situation. Anybody like that in here? Like, I've got to fix this. This thing went broken. Um, this person's causing a ruckus. Um, you've heard the saying, they're, they're acting a fool. I've got to go deal with this. Okay? I've got to handle this situation. And I think too many times we think to ourselves, when something crazy happens, what am I going to do about this? Right? Um, what am I going to do about this? Or you think God is saying, what are you going to do about this? But here's the truth is God never says, what are you going to do? But what are we going to do? Right? God never says, never said that. But if you skip over to Romans 8, 17, we're just going to skip to Romans 8, 17 real quick. And we'll hop back um, to this account. But Romans 8, 17, and I want to, I want to emphasize, I want to, I want us to look at how many times the word we, and if you guys can say it with me, Okay, every time we see the word we in the scripture. And since 
We are his true children. We qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. And we will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as, as our own. All right, so this word we, right? Like clearly God thinks that we is an important phrase and Jesus thinks that in this situation. And I want to tell you a story about when I was in high school, uh, it was 10th or 11th grade, uh, I had this class called All Sports and we played all sports in it, okay? I don't know if that's like phenomenal revelation to you, but played all sports. And one of the sports we were playing was, was basketball. You like that sport, don't you, Steve? You know what I'm talking about. So uh, playing basketball and, and so I'm focused on shooting the basketball at this hoop, and there's multiple hoops throughout, okay? And got my friends that we're playing with or just kind of like other classmates that I'm playing with, and I literally have the ball, and I'm dribbling with it, and I hear somebody yelling behind me, okay? And so I see everybody kind of stop, and they're looking at this person that's yelling, and I think, well, I I probably should turn around and find out who's yelling. And I, I turn around, and there's this guy named Gary that's yelling at me, okay? Now, Gary, uh, his whole face is red, and he's saying some choice words, okay? Uh, I'm just yelling and saying, and I, and I finally tune into what he's saying, and he said, um, I can't believe you would throw that ball and hit me upside the head with it, da 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 And he just continues to go on and on and on. And I finally just, I'm like, I don't even, I just said, I don't know what you're talking about, all right? And so when I said, I don't know what you're talking about, the face got even redder, okay? And then he took the basketball and he threw it full blast at me, Okay? And I'm not, I don't have that big of a hand, okay? It's not that big. But somehow the basketball went right into my hand like Spider-Man and just like caught it, okay? <laughs> and then his face just got even crazier red. I didn't know it could get any more red, right? And I like almost dropped the ball because I was like, I don't know how that just happened, okay? But you just threw it at me and I caught it, okay, whatever. And then he said, I'm going to see you after class, okay? Don't know if he was going to pass me a note. I don't really know what's going to happen, Okay? But I'll see you after class. I knew it probably wasn't the best thing. All right. So I'm in the locker room, and I'm thinking, Scary Gary said that we're going to go out, and we're going to have a conversation after class. And so all of a sudden, this guy walks up to me in the locker room, and his name was Kevin. Okay. Kevin was like 350 pounds, like 6'5", all muscle, like solid, huge guy. All right. And Kevin starts talking to me, and what you don't know about Kevin is he's never played sports other than maybe being in that class. Um, he doesn't work out, but he's just huge, okay? He draws comics, and he's really good at drawing comics. But people don't know this about Kevin. I knew this because I was in another class with him, and I, could, I saw him drawing comics all the time. So he starts talking to me, and I start thinking to myself, man, it'd be really good if I walked out of class with this guy. Like, it'd be really good. And so we start walking out of the locker room, coming around the corner, And what you don't know about Gary is Gary really wasn't that scary, but Gary had scary friends, okay? I know it's a rhyme, but he had friends that were not good people, and they could hurt you, all right? And so he was was known for that in the school. And so I come around the corner, and sure enough, Gary's leaned up against this wall, and he's kind of peeking around the corner. I don't know if he had something in his hands. Like I said, maybe he was going to pass me a note and say, please forgive me or something, but... (laughs) He's got that, and then he's got his other buddies that are lined up there, and it was so funny because all Gary could do was just stare at my friend. Like, he just was, like, looking at me, and he just was, like, looking at my friend Kevin, and he's noticing the size because Kevin's literally like this, 
And Kevin and I are telling jokes, and of course, like I say a joke, and he starts laughing, and I put my arm on Kevin, right? And then Kevin puts his big arm on my shoulder, and we're walking, and I literally walk right up to Gary, and I just go like this, I go. And he just goes. And that was it. There was no more conversation about what happened in there with the basketball. Like, never heard from the guy again. Um, but I say that to say because it, it went from a me problem to a we problem, right? Like, because of who I was with, it changed the whole scenario. It was no longer about me. It was about we. Um, and often, when we run into problems, we think, what am I going to do about this? And here's what I want you to know. When those kind of scenarios happen, it's good to pull God in close. Does that make sense? Like, he's already close. And when I say close, like... There's another little scenario where um, my wife and I used to mow grass years ago together. Can you picture that, everything I mow grass? But we used to mow grass, and we had these zero turns, and um, I remember one of the properties had a bunch of bumps, and my cell phone fell out at this one property, right? And I was devastated. It was Nextel. You guys remember Nextel? Like, right, a little chirp, walkie-talkie kind of thing. And so we're looking for the cell phone, okay, spending like an hour at this property. Then we go to all the other properties. We can't find the cell phone anywhere. Um, I went went home that day, took a shower. All of a sudden, I got out of the shower, and I remembered. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I bet I know where that cell phone's at. I go back to where the mower was at the property or whatever we parked it, and sure enough, the cell phone was right in the lawnmower. It had hopped out, and I mowed multiple properties after that, okay? So the whole time, that, that cell phone is right there, and I'm looking for it for like three or four hours the rest of the day. And that's kind of how it is with God. Like, God is so close, and we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. He's so close to us, like when it says he lives on the inside of us, like that's pretty close. I don't know if it gets a whole lot closer than that. But if we don't know that, when we deal with these situations in our life and we're coming up against stuff and we don't know how close he is, we'll never tap into, that's how that cell phone was. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't access it because I didn't realize how close it was, right? I, I didn't know where it was. And that's how it was with God and Jesus is he's so close to us, we need to go from a place of I to a place of we. All right, so um, verse five, I wanna go back to verse five. Um, it said, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him and turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? All right, and it says, he, verse six, it said he was testing people for he already knew what he was going, or he was, I'm sorry, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7, it said, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. So I don't know, I don't know if you're noticing, but there's this scene that's being set up um, with Philip and Jesus, and because Jesus could have turned to anybody, right? Like he's got 12 disciples, he's got other people that probably know stuff, know numbers. I mean, Judas, he obviously was pretty good with numbers because he could not only take care of everything but also put some money in his own pocket. So should have maybe talked to Judas about this scenario, but he turned, it said that he turned to Philip. And why is that? It's because I believe, um, he, the, you guys know who um, Doubting Thomas is? Does everybody know who Doubting Thomas is? I think we have a picture, we have a picture of Doubting Thomas. There's Doubting Thomas, right? You guys remember the story and he had to like, he didn't believe Jesus until he saw him and could feel the different things, right? I want you to know, I want to introduce you to somebody called Practical Philip. There's Practical Philip, all right? So Practical Philip 
was important and was, was to be on Jesus' team. And the reason why I think that was is I think everybody needs a practical person. Can we agree? Like in your life, if you don't have practical people, you're probably going to run into some trouble. And I always have practical people. Like for the last few years while I worked here, Gabe was one of those practical people, okay? If I was to decide to do something kind of dangerous, Gabe would go, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea, Right? And I usually, okay, Gabe's seeing something. He's hearing something. He knows something that I'm not seeing, okay? Um, uh, Hunter, who plays drums. We're teaching Hunter to be practical Hunter, okay? He's growing, and he's, he's getting better. And there was a young guy out in Arizona, um, young guy, he was 15. His name was David. And we can call him Practical David in case he ever comes and visits, and you get to know him, and then he doesn't want to be known as his last name, okay? I'm not going to pass it out, but Practical David, and and the reason why I say he's practical is because every time we talked about some kind of idea, like, hey, I think we ought to, like, change the lights, or I think we ought to, like, adjust something, or maybe we ought to change service this week. And David, even as a young guy, he'd always, the first word that he'd always say is, impossible. <laughs> I'm talking 15 years old, right? Impossible. And I would, my response was, really? Why is it impossible? And then he'd say, it's just, it's impossible because we can't do it. And I'd say, okay, we'll explain why we can't do it. It's because it's impossible. <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, we're not getting anywhere. Um, but and then I'd bust out scripture and I'd say, well, I don't know if you've read the Bible, but it says, with God, all things are possible to him that believeth. Right? And I'd add the little this on there to make it more spiritual. Okay? And then David would be like, well, that's true, but this is impossible. Okay? So we could tell we weren't um, moving anywhere with that. Um, I was baiting him, right? I was trying to get him to at least open his mind and think, maybe this might be possible. Maybe we could come up with something. And I think Jesus was doing that with Philip. I think he, he was testing Philip because verse 6, it says he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. And I don't think this was a prophetic moment like Jesus like, was prophesying about what Philip. I think he knew this is practical Philip and practical Philip always is practical. And he always says what's practical. And he just wanted to see Philip squirm a little bit, maybe. I'm just... I'm assuming, okay? But Philip and Jesus, they were looking at the same glass, and Philip saw something different, okay? He saw um, a half glass, right? And you could say um, Philip saw lack, and Jesus saw there was enough, okay? And they're looking at the same crowd. Um, where Philip saw destitute, right? Jesus saw plentitude, okay? He knew that there could be something that could come out of this. Um, and Jesus knew that Philip was going to state the obvious. Verse 7, it says, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Philip had his little calculator. You guys know like the little tile thing? What's those things called? That's what I said. Yeah, those things. And so he's moving that thing around, and you know, he's calculating according to the 5,000 people. There's just no way. It's impossible. And he was basically doing what D Practical David was doing and saying, can't do it. No way. Absolutely not. Okay. And you know what's funny about the word impossible, right, is if you remove the letters I and M, right, the letters I and M, what's, the, what's left over? The word possible, right? But the other side of that coin, okay, is if you remove those letters, the only two letters is I and M, and what can you spell with the, or what can you say with the letters I and M? I'm. 
And so many times I think we think, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and I'm going to fix everything that's broken, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a job, whether it's like a, a, pers- a young person or somebody that's acting crazy or we all have relatives, right? I'm going to fix this person or I'm going to help this person, right? And too many times when we say that, we're putting the I and the M back in that word and we're creating something that's actually impossible, right? Verse 8, if we go back to verse 8, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Verse 9, it says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, I don't know if you guys have ever studied about barley loaves, but I have because uh, I was going to teach this sermon, and I thought I should probably know something about barley loaves. All right, so barley loaves are from a grain cultivated in Egypt and Palestine, and it usually was uh, for horses, Okay. Um, barley bread was used by the poorer people, and it was the staple of most dishes, okay? So basically, it's like the biscuits of the day, all right? You guys like biscuits? Like my father-in-law always says, like, biscuits make the meal. Some of you guys can agree with that, right? Um, But it was basically the biscuits of the day. Um, So it wasn't like it was a ton of bread. Like you think of loaves, it wasn't like a ton of bread. It was very small. And then the fish were considered to be very small as well. So it's not like mahi-mahi or as they have over there in those countries, like tilapia and all that stuff. It's not like there was this big, huge filet that they were working with. Talking like little sardines. And I almost brought sardines so you guys know, but everybody knows what sardines are, right? So it weren't the biggest fish and it wasn't the most bread, right? Um, And you know when Andrew said this, like, Philip was going crazy. Like, you know, like, because why would you bring that up? Why would you bring up five loaves and two little sardines for, for that many people, right? For 5,000 people, right? And basically, it was a joke. And see, I think Andrew knew something. I think he knew something uh, about Jesus, I, see, he, so far, he'd already been and seen so many miracles. Like, he already saw Jesus turn the water into wine, right? He already saw the healing of the official son. He already saw the Samaritan woman at the well. And then he saw the healing at the pool. So bringing up the bread and fr- fish was like a drop in the bucket because, really, you couldn't have fed even 12 disciples, much less 5,000 people. The numbers, it, why would you bring that up? And I'm sure that's what Philip was saying. Like, what are you doing, Andrew? Like, we were getting towards sending people to Chick-fil-A. And like, now you're telling people that, telling Jesus we got five fish. But I think Andrew knew. He knew that Jesus was capable. He knew that it wasn't an I thing, that this had to be a we thing, okay? He knew. Um, he, and he, I think he wanted to see. I think he wanted to see what Jesus was gonna do with five loaves and two fish, right? And then Jesus, verse 10, it says, tell everyone to sit down. And Jesus said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes and the men alone numbered about 5,000, okay? Rumor has it that there was really 18 to 20,000 people with the children and the women, okay? Um, But verse 11, it says, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. And afterwards, he did the same with the fish and they all sat or they all ate as much as they wanted. That means they were full, okay? They were good. Verse 12, it says, After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled the 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So Jesus took the loaves and distributed it and then made the disciples collect the leftovers. And you might ask, why would he do that? Maybe it was because he wanted all the disciples to go home with a doggy bag, right? 
Or maybe it was because of the 12 regions that they were in. I'm not sure exactly why he made them collect and it ended up being 12. But what I love about the story is that it's actually a message of grace. But it isn't a spiritual need because how many times do we go to God and we know that he can answer us spiritually? Like we understand righteousness, sanctification. I mean, Clark just went through some of that stuff about spiritual needs, right? But this is an actual physical need. And that's what I want you to know is grace or Jesus not only wants to meet our needs spiritually, but there are physical needs that we are allowed, what we are freely given and allowed to go and talk to him about. God only, not only, and the cool part is he not only wants to meet the needs, but he wants to exceed the needs. And that's what just happened here is there was a very small amount and yet he fed that many people and then there was leftovers, okay? And everybody likes leftovers. Um, well, some people don't, but anyways, we pray for those people, especially with Chinese food. But, um, do you find yourself being like Philip, though? Like, does anybody ever find themselves being like Philip, where, like, you think there's just, like, there's so, you know, like, you, you see the problem, and, that, like, that's all you can see, right? Like, you're like, all I see is this problem in my life, and it's overwhelming. And then another day comes, and that problem's still there, and then the problems, they just continually get over and over and over in your life to the point, are we good? Don't stress out if they fall, okay? I'm okay with it if you're okay with it, so... Until, right, like these, there's just so many problems that there's just not enough to go around, right? There's just, I mean, this person has got lots and lots of problems in their life. Um, But like, that's all you see, and you can't even enjoy anything because all you see are these problems, Okay, and you're like, well, I got to do something about this. I have to do something about these things that are going on in my life. And you don't think about we. You think like, what am I going to do? And then so you're like, let me try and get this stuff out of my mind and not think about it anymore. But I can only do so much. You guys realize that, right? Like, I can only have so much effect on my problems. But when we go from I to we, If I spill, it's okay. I'll clean it up. I not only preach, I'm the janitor here at Grace Church too. But uh, I'm just kidding about that. But when you say, God, like, I need your help, right? And you're like, and you think, well, I mean, he took a couple problems out of my life. You know, I I don't need to, I don't need to stress about the rest. But it's still so overwhelming. And you're like, God, and he says, I not only want to meet the need. If these fall on the ground, don't worry about it either, okay? Is everybody not worrying about stuff this morning? Right? He says, not, I, don't, I not only want to meet the need, I want to exceed the need, right? And, uh, and you think, well, there's still problems that are trying to get into my life, but the cool part is, is because you're so focused on we, you don't have time to, to worry about the problems. Like the problems can try and have some kind of effect on your life, but they can't affect you like they used to, right? And honestly, here's another thing that I want to tell you is just because you have God in your life doesn't mean that there's no problems, right? Everybody can agree with that. Sometimes you get God and you're like, man, there's more problems, <laughs> right? But here's all that you know is the cool part is, is you're not so focused on those problems anymore. You see past 
the problems. You see that God has a bigger picture and he sees something way greater down the road. No matter what the stress is of those things, no matter how much they try to pile up, you're like, no, I'm good, man. Like, I am good. And you're not in denial. I don't think it's denial. It's just you see past it. You're looking at a place of not what am I going to do about the situation, but what are we going to do? And when it moves from I to we, God can do some miraculous things. And that's what I think the difference between Andrew and Philip is Andrew knew there's something, the greater one is with me. He's here right now. And he's going to do something miraculous. Otherwise, I'm sorry, but Andrew would have just shut his mouth and not paid attention to the little boy running around with two little sardines and a few little loaves. Cool? Um, but I do want you to know that God not only wants to meet the need, but he wants to exceed the need. And, and you don't have to think, I have to do something about blank. I got to do something about blank. Or I'm going to do something about blank. And here's what I want you to know, is I can only do so much. I can only do so much. But there is power with I am. There is power with I am. I am is greater than I am. Thank God. John 18, okay, I'm going to read this to you. And it says, after Jesus finished this prayer, he left his disciples and went across to Kindred Valley to a place where there was a garden. Judas the traitor knew where this place was, for Jesus had gone often with his disciples. And the Pharisees and the leading priests had given Judas a large detachment of Roman soldiers and, and temple police to seize Jesus. And Judas guided them to the garden, all of them carrying torches and lanterns and armed with swords and spears. And Jesus, knowing full well what was about to happen, went out to the garden entrance to meet them. And stepping forward, he asked, who are you looking for? This is Jesus asking, right? And Jesus of Nazareth it said that they, repl uh, they replied, Jesus of Nazareth, right? Now, Jesus, Judas was the traitor, was among them. So he's hanging out with these guys. And Jesus replied, it says he replied, but Jesus replied, I am he. And the moment Jesus spoke the words, I am he, the mob fell backwards to the ground. When I say that there is power with I am, there is power with I am. And it's interesting uh, how many times that's mentioned. I'll, I'll, I'll read that to you in a second. But um, I remember years ago, uh, we uh, got gifted a boat, like a brand new boat. I think it had 50 hours on it, but to us it was brand new. It was like a little Sea Ray or something. And uh, we took it out right when we got it, and it was a blast. We went tubing and wakeboarding and all this stuff. It was great, okay? And we put it away for winter, and I'm not a northerner pretty much a Floridian my whole life, um, and put it away for winter and then went to go take it back out in the spring, okay? And I uh, told Ruthie, I'm like, let's go for it. And she's like, okay, I don't really trust you, but okay, right? And uh, took a couple other friends. And um, so we get out on the water, and I don't know if I've told you guys this story. I don't really care. You can just say it's story number 1400 or whatever. So... Um, but we got out on the water, and I went to go hit the, um, the throttle, and all of a sudden I noticed the boat just kind of goes like this, right? And Ruthie's like, is that supposed to be running like that? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I got this. I give it a little more throttle. 
right? And it just kind of like lifts up even higher, but still isn't really moving that quick. It's like, she's like, are you sure it's okay? I'm like, it's fine. I've got this. Give it some more throttle to the point where we're like this. And I'm just waving at people like it's normal, you know, like, I'm good. I don't know about y'all, but this is, how, this is the new C-Ray right here, right? And, uh, and Ruthie the whole time is like, there's something wrong. Practical Ruthie is like, there's something wrong. So I'm like, maybe you're right. Turn around, I see some like smoke coming from the engine, okay? And pull the little cover off and uh, there is water being pumped into the thing. I didn't realize, but there was freeze plugs that were on the engine. In order to keep the motor from cracking, it popped the freeze plugs off. Um, so these freeze plugs were just, there was just empty hole and the water was just pumping into our boat really quick. Okay, and this is a brand new boat, like maybe 60 hours at this point. And I'm like, I really like, what do we do? And I'm like, we're good. Like, don't worry about it. I've got this. Okay. Well, my wife knows better. She gets up on the seat. She sees another person drive by. And she's like, help, help. I'm like, we've got this. Sit down. Don't do that. We're going to be fine. We've got life jackets at least. Come on. You know, and uh, a guy comes over, you know. He's like, y'all need help? I'm like, we're good. Ruthie's like, no, we need help. He throws us this rope and ties it to the front and uh, starts dragging us, right? And I remember just thinking to myself, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really have any options. I didn't have anything. I, there was nothing else that I could do. But it was a really good place for me because then we had to call for help from God. And he came, right? Like, I mean, that's how, that's how it is with those situations. It's like, I think I need to ask God. And so many times in my life, I'm like over and over, I've got this. I know what to do. I know this thing. And you just need to wave and say, God, I don't have this thing. I need to move from a place of I to we. I can only do so much. And I'm going to read these last things to you real quick. Jesus said in John 6, 35, he said, I am the bread of life. Move down to John 8, 12. He said in John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. John 10, 9 said, I am the door. If anyone enters by, enters by me, he will be saved. Uh, John 10, 11, it said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then I love John 15, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And without me, you can do nothing. I just want you to know, you in and of yourself, you can do nothing. But when you have I am and you are recognizing, man, he is as close, and I am trying to do everything in my own strength, and I am failing every time, and my boat is sinking. And that's what I want you to know. If anybody in here is like that, and you're like, man, my boat, I feel like my boat is sinking. I just want you to know, all you gotta do is just call for help. And God is right there. And he's ready to, you, because you're not moving anywhere, you're sinking. <laughs> and the more I would put that throttle on, the more. Amen? Why don't you guys stand up? I want to pray for everybody real quick. Father, I just thank you, God, for those that are in here uh, this morning, God. We worship you, we honor you, and we just thank you, God, 
that you are the great I am. And you know exactly what we're going through. You know exactly what we need, God. And even if those things aren't removed, God, I thank you, God, that you are with us. It says you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, I speak that God... Christ lives in us, and we can do those things that are in front of us, God, with your strength and with your power, God. We thank you, God. We worship you. Thank you, God, for each one that's in here that you speak to their situation and you give them hope, you give them life. It's not about what we can do, God. It's not about what I can do, but it's about what we can do, God. And we trust in you in that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen.